so we are uh, diving right into the book of Revelation. I say right in. We have uh, weeks of preparation before we get there. A lot of people, some people I found out don't even read that book. It's like, it's real scary. Like, I don't know what to say. Well, you know, you know, all of the Bible is for us. Would you agree with that? Not all of the Bible is to us. The epistles, the letters written to the churches, that would be Romans through Jew. They're written to the church. So if any Bible I've ever owned hard copy, I do a lot of reading on my iPad because I have dozens of translations here along with study aids when I read my Bible. It's just advantageous for me to do so. But um, any Bible I've ever owned, if you'll look, you'll see where I do most of my reading. It's always in the epistles because those are written to me. All the Bible's for me. I read through the Bible every year, but I read the epistles every single month all the way through, some of them multiple times. So um, I usually read a gospel uh, every month as well as um, the book of Revelation and the epistles. Some of them I read more than once, but Anyway, then read through the whole Bible once a year. So anyway, the book of Revelation, it's not as scary as you think it is. And so we're talking about that and uh, we're going to go into some fair detail and take time. Hopefully we may get through before Jesus comes back. If not, he'll finish up uh, with a big seminar in heaven. Maybe I don't know. But nonetheless, uh, this is part three, book of Revelation introduction. I love J.B. Phillips' uh, translation, Ephesians 1.9. He says this, for God has allowed us to know the secret of his plan, and it is this. I love this. Uh, he purposed long ago in his sovereign will that all human history should be consummated in Christ, that everything that exists in heaven and earth should find its perfection and fulfillment in him. I love that. Why do I like that? Well, because, you know, God, God created originally this planet as a pristine environment for for, for uh, human life. In fact, you've heard me say this before. You can do some studying, but scientists, uh, Christian scientists, many believe that the, um, the earth was basically a hyperbaric chamber with, with um, uh, unusually high oxygen saturations, which, which created a, an environment for, for life. The truth is God created us to live eternally in our human bodies in perpetuity, in eternity, on this planet forever and never vacate our bodies. It was never God's plan that there be a curse. It was never God's plan that there be death. It was never God's plan that there be sickness, disease, lack, need, want, war, tumult, calamity, disaster. No, it was God's plan that he be our father and we be his family. And out of God's primordial desire just to love, out of that out of that deep hunger, God is love. He created us, and we are the object of His love. Isn't that incredible? And that's the reason the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So if you think originally God creating us, putting us on a planet, uh, and on that planet is everything necessary for carbon-based creatures like us to exist for eternity. We will never run out of resources. Is that good news? The earth will exist in perpetuity, in eternity, forever. So God's plan was marred when the first man and woman sinned, Adam and Eve, and God's plan was, uh, was thwarted. It was hindered. Death ensued. We were separated from God. We went our own rebellious way. Resultingly, you know, there's all the things that have to do with the fall and the hatred, the angst, nation against nation, person 
against person, and Jesus comes back to right all of the wrongs. The first thing he, Jesus did was uh, enable us to regain relationship with God. Is that good news? Se- second thing that Jesus did uh, is at the rapture of the church, we'll get an immortal body. Is that good news? Jesus also defeated our enemy for us, Satan, and gave us his authority over him while we navigate in a fallen world. Is that good news? But the book of Revelation is all about God regaining control of the planet he lost through Adam and Eve's sin. And that again, first of all, is through uh, having a relationship with us through Christ, uh, giving us a more, an immortal body at the rapture of the church. Our bodies are going to change and we'll have a body one day like Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. Is that good news? The book of Revelation is all about God judging his enemies, Satan, the fallen angels, the demonic forces that work with him, and then the rebellious humans that work in league with Satan and all of his emissaries to wreak havoc on this planet. They are going to be all completely removed from this planet one day at the second coming of Christ. And then Jesus will rule and reign with us for a thousand years. The the curse that was placed on this planet will be removed one day. And there will be no more curse. We'll be in glorified bodies. There'll be a natural race of natural peoples. This may throw some of you for a loop. Read the Bible closely. There'll be a natural race of natural people that go from uh, the time we live in now into the 1,000-year the reign of Christ after Jesus comes back. Some of them will rebel against Jesus' reign. Go read Revelation 20, start with verse 9 or so. And then uh, they will be judged. And then all of the wicked dead will come up from hell, the holding tank, the uh, county jail. And then the... Uh, and then there will be an eternal sentence commuted upon them. They will be placed into a place called the lake of fire. And then the new heavens and new earth come, wherein dwell righteousness. So really what God uh, initially envisioned of Him being our Father and we being His family in great fellowship with Him throughout eternity, it will be realized, but only through Christ. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. So, you know, when I think about the future, and let me just say, as you age, you're going to think more about the future. And as you get older, you're going to think about heaven, and you're going to think about the afterlife, and you're going to think about what's coming up. And because the world is in such turmoil right now, people are wondering, what's next? Well, the good news is God has given us an idea of what is next there was Issachar's race in the book of Chronicles who had understanding concerning the times who would know what Israel ought to do. And likewise, there, is, there are people on earth now because we understand God's word. We understand God's plan. God's word is like a road map. It's kind of like a compass. And uh, it shows us the direction that we're going. So although there's uh, helter-skelter, chaos, strange things happening worldwide, now we know how the end result's going to be. Is that good news? So the book of Revelation is really exciting. I have studied uh, eschatology, which is the study of end-time events. I took courses in my first Bible school in the 70s and, and subsequently just studied. And, you know, once you have been to three colleges, but, you know, once you finish college, you, you, you don't stop studying. You keep learning, right? So my views, my ideas, and my thoughts have changed over the years, and, and I'll talk about all that in the weeks and months to come. Today, I, I uh, want to cover again, this is week number three. Lesson one, we talked about the three races of people that God sees uh, on planet Earth instead of the, 
the many plethora of races that we see. God sees basically three distinctives of people, three classifications of people. 1 Corinthians 10.32, we took a week and talked about this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.32, give none offense either to the Jews, the Gentiles, or the church of God. God has a purpose and plan for the Jewish race that is not yet fulfilled. And then the Gentile, a Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. In the Bible, that term would refer to people who have no covenant relationship with God. They're unsaved, they're lost, they're without God, they're without Christ. They're on their own and they're suffering terribly. God loves them, has a plan of salvation for them if they'll only receive it. So Jews, Greek, Gentiles, and then the church of God. And the church is a, dis, a, a distinct uh, classification of people that came in vogue and came in view when Jesus was raised from the dead. And he is the head of a brand new race. That's me and you. And we are grafted into God's covenant plans. God's made promises and plans to Israel that are equally ours in the church. Is that good news? So, wow. Uh, last time we talked about this, lesson two, we talked about four eternal covenants, really to understand you know, end times, you need to understand some of these things. Somebody again said, um, the New Testament is the old concealed, uh, revealed. The Old Testament is the new concealed. So I could start and say the old is the new concealed. The new is the old revealed. And the book of Revelation is a, com is a revelation of both Old and New Testaments together. So to really understand it, just need to know some simple background things. So last time, and if you weren't here, it's online. The video's there on YouTube. We also have my notes. Uh, there are four covenants. And when God makes a covenant, they are eternal covenants. How many heard what I just said? When God says something, how many know he brings it to pass? When God makes promises, and let me tell you what happens to me when I study end times, book of Revelation, or anything uh, along with it. When I study that, it shows me that God does exactly what He says. If God's promised to answer prayer, God's promised to meet my needs, God's promised to heal my body, God's promised to protect me, take care of me, watch over me, help my family, etc., etc., you know, I can trust that because everything He says always comes to pass. Prophets have said things thousands of years ago that are still coming to pass today. So these covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, is a covenant that God made with Abraham and his ancestry, which would include us, the church. We're grafted into it. And so I talked about that in detail. There's a Palestinian covenant where God covenanted and promised there's a parcel of land in the Middle East that only belongs to Israel. And Israel alone, along with the church, will have that one day. It's awesome. So uh, I'll have more to say about that in a minute. The Davidic covenant was where God promised that the ancestor, an ancestor from David's lineage would be on the throne overseeing Israel and his people forever. And that person's name is the Lord Jesus Christ. The new covenant, that's where we come in. That's where God literally places his law in our hearts. Those people who were not a people become the people of God. And all of the promises that God made to Abraham, that God made to David, that God made to all of those folk, they belong to us too. Is that good news? So we talked about all that today. Now this is really, you know, I've studied this so much and God's spoken to me quite a bit through the book of Daniel. Daniel. We're going back to the book of Daniel chapter 9 tonight. And this one passage of Scripture is quite, is quite interesting. And it is the fundamental foundation for us understanding kind of what the future is going to look like as far as the timetable for God doing 
uh, some things that he said he's going to do in the future. And so if you'll go back to Daniel chapter 9, there are just uh, a few verses there, verses 24 through 27. I want to look at New Living Translation. You can watch on the screen if you don't have it. Daniel 9, uh, Daniel's Revelation just shows us just kind of kind of an idea of what is to come. And there's some interesting tidbits here. So let's just read and uh, see if we can move this along quickly. A period of set. So Daniel, let me set the set the scope here. Daniel lived during the Babylonian captivity. Israel was driven out of their land um, by Babylon. Babylon, uh, country Babylon, uh, attacked Israel three times. The last time was 586 BC. That's you know 2,500 ish years ago. And, um, and drove them out of, of uh, Jerusalem. And, and uh, the Jews were, went into Babylonian captivity for 70 years and that during Daniel's lifetime. And Daniel was a guy who was a seer. Uh, he, that is, he literally saw into the spirit realm. And, 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 and then he saw the future. He sought God. He was, he was a major prophet in the Old Testament. God spoke to him in some incredible ways. So the understanding we have about uh, what God's going to do before Jesus comes back in a large way, we have to thank Daniel for his perseverance and his, his heart to seek God. So um, Daniel lived most of his life in Babylonian captivity, and God would speak to him mostly through the duration of his life. And we just have him to thank. So here he is, Daniel 9. Daniel was seeking God about Israel, had questions about what was going on. So it says here, um, God spoke to him and said, a period of 70 sets of seven have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, that is the rebellion of Israel, to put an end to their sin, that is the sins of Israel, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. And verse 25 says, Now listen and understand seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. Will pass, and we'll explain all that from the time of the command. The command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses, despite the perilous times. So there it is, and that's what. Uh, let me say, yeah. And then um, verse twenty-six says, after this period, sixty-two sets of seven. We'll come back to it. The anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. The anointed one is the Lord Jesus Christ, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. We'll talk about it. The end will come with a flood and war, and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Uh, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up his sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. And you're thinking, what in the world is that all about? Well, here's the background. For 490 years prior to Daniel's time, now listen to this. This will kind of freak you out. Israel disobeyed God. God promised that they would be his covenant people the, the beginning of the Jewish race is Abraham. Abraham, you know, had a supernatural child of promise named Isaac. He was 100. His wife was 90. That's history. 
and then the Israelites are God's covenant people. And here we are, fast forward to Daniel's day. For the last 490 years of Israel's existence, they did what God asked them not to do. They worshiped the false gods and got involved in the idolatry of all of the nations around them so badly that so, you can go, as you read the Old Testament, you'll read these things. Some of the kings of Israel and Judah in the Old Testament, literally brought the idols of the nations around them into the temple, into Jerusalem, and they worshiped them. They worshiped them all over the place. God said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. As long as you honor me as the only God, as long as you worship me, as long as you obey my word, I will bless you. You'll be unlike any other nation. But if you defy me, if you listen to the other nations, if you listen to their ways, if you imbib their ideologies and their idolatry, you will inherit a curse. And that's exactly what happened. So by the time Daniel came around, 490 years had passed, and Israel had been in rebellion to God for 490 years. Let me tell you what I get out of that. You may think, and we may think, a person may think that you can do what you want to do and sin and get away with it, but here's the way the Lord is. There's one scripture. Man, I read this years ago. It scared the bejeebies out of me. And it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. This is the New Living Translation, which is really good. You can't, I mean, you can't misunderstand this. When a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. Hello? Huh? You know, little boy steals a dollar from his daddy every week. You know, or maybe five dollars, get real, you know. Because he wants something, you know. And he said, well, I'll never get caught. He's got a big wad of money. He'll never miss that $5 bill. Well, sooner or later, dude, you're going to get caught. And, you know, as a pastor, I've been in ministry since 1981. I, I can't tell you how many people. Here's the idea. Well, I did it one time and nothing bad happened. I'm going to do it again because I like that. And you know what? Sooner or later, as the old farmer said, your chickens come home to roost. So be aware, you know, and, and you know, so all, all of us are tempted by our culture. You're tempted by your flesh. You're tempted by the things around you. One thing that, that should keep you, make you think three, four, ten, a hundred times about doing what you know is wrong is even though it not, might not be judged today, sooner or later. The later is when you stand before Christ. I don't know about you, but I'd rather judge myself now, wouldn't you? So Israel, because nothing happened. I'm worshiping idols. I'm still blessed. The crops are coming up. You know, the, the cows are having, you know, are having babies. And, you know, we're just having a big time. We got sheep, sheep, goats, animals. We got, you know, we got fig trees galore, olive trees. We got all kinds of fruit and delicious stuff. Everything's great. Everything's good. We've got a big army. We're okay. That's where we are in America. We're blessed in America today because our forefathers paid the price of discipline and life. Some giving their blood so that we can be free. And we think we now, now we've got this idea that uh, I deserve this. I, you don't deserve anything but hell. Now that's how I think. No, I, I'm privileged to walk with God and I'm privileged to have a free mind. And I'm privileged to live in a nation that's free. But, you know, you, you can look at this on a personal level, a family level, a, a city level, a state level, a 
national level, you know, all of us are privileged because of the grace of God. Would you agree with that? And anytime we take for granted that we deserve this or that, we're in trouble. And that's where our nation is right now. That's where Israel was during Daniel's day. Well, you know, we've been doing this so long, it's just okay. But here's what God said. Leviticus, I got to hurry. Leviticus 25, the Lord spoke to Moses, Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, say to them, When you come into the land which, uh, which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you will sow your field. Six years you will prune your vineyard, gather its fruit. But the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap nor gather uh, the grapes of your untended vine for it's a year of the rest for the land and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you. For you, your male, your female servants, your hired men, strangers who dwell with you, for your livestock, beasts that are in your land, all its produce shall be for food. Here's what God said, Leviticus 25. God said, I want you to let the land rest every seventh year. And there was a land rest Sabbath commanded. Now scientists have understood why is you let the land rest one year, then the soil is replenished of its, all of its nutritional properties and not depleted by growing all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. We have to take vitamins today because we don't obey God and our land is famished. You get the idea? So God said to Israel, let your land rest. If you don't let your land rest, then Jeremiah the prophet came along because they didn't listen to God for 490 years. They missed 70 land rest Sabbaths in 490 years. Every seventh year, they didn't let the land rest. They said, everything's hunky-dory. We're worshiping idols. We don't care. God said, let the land rest, but we don't want to go hungry. We're not sure those crops will grow. We don't have enough in our barn, so let's just keep on planting. And nothing bad happened. The problem was... The the land missed its Sabbath rests. And so here's what God said. What is 70 times 7? For 490 years, every seventh year, the land did not rest. So by Daniel's day, God said, here's what's going to happen. Because you didn't let the land rest, here's what's going to happen, dude. The land's going to rest all at one time. We're going to take you off of God. I'm going to take you off the land, and the land's going to have its rest. You're going to have a hard time. But the land is going to rest. It's going to replenish. Now let me tell you what happened. And I may not get through with this, and you have to come back next time because I have just got to go over some of it. I was reading this back, I'm no kidding, back in 1990. I don't know if you know me any. If you know anything about me, I am. I have one switch. I have two switches, on and off. And most of the time, I'm on. And I live life. I mean, strong. You know. I make every minute count of every day. My mama can't believe me. She lives with me. Because, you know, I don't waste time with anything. I mean, I'm always doing something, so that's me. But back in 1990, I'll make a long story short, I was reading this passage where, um, where Israel had to, had to take all of the land, rest all at one time, go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And God spoke to me and said, Mitch. I said, yeah. And that, that time my dad was alive and every week he'd say, Mitch, I got a question. And I knew what it was going to be every week. What, Dad? You should take your Sabbath rest this week, son. Well, you know, I preach on Sunday, you know. So, son, you got to rest. My dad rested every Sunday. And he worked like a Trojan all six other days, you know. So I didn't. So 
he was encouraging me to take a rest. And here's what God said to me, Mitch. If you don't take your Sabbath rest once a week, it may come off the end of your life. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Now, I got that, you know. So I really do try to take a day and I just kind of chill. Because I heard what he said. I only needed to hear it one time. Israel got into trouble. The Je uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, told Israel that they would get into trouble if they didn't do what God said. And I'm just got, I've got a bunch of passages. You can get my notes. They'll be online. I've got several passages that say basically the same thing. Here's Jeremiah 25. Behold, I will send and take all of the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth, gladness, bridegroom, bride, um, the sound of millstones and lights of the lamp. And this whole land shall be desolate and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. This is years before it even happened. God said, you're not listening to me. Something's going to happen. You better get ready. And nobody would listen to Jeremiah the prophet. He said it over and over. Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 27, Jeremiah 29, 2 Chronicles 36 mentions it. And most of these places mention 70 years. You're going to be off your land. You better get your ducks in a row. And they didn't listen. So that's what happened. So Daniel was praying. Daniel was, y'all need to give me, can y'all wait till 10 after? Yes or no? Okay, good. I'll get it done now. So Daniel, for 490 years, God said, here's what's been happening the last 490 years, disobedience, judgments during your lifetime. Israel is out of the land. Daniel said, well, what's, what's happening after that? What's going to happen? He began to seek the Lord. And that's when God gave him Daniel 9, 24 through 27. So he showed him the next 490 years of Israel's history. The last 490 wasn't good. But the next 490 was the redemption of Israel by the mercy of God. And God showed them what would be happening until Jesus comes back and we enter into the eternal reign of Jesus on earth. Now that's exciting. Is that interesting? So here's what he said. So here's what he said um, uh, in verse 24. Seven weeks are determined. Let's see what it says. Where are we here? Let me go back up here. And it says, a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and the holy, fit, and the holy city. Seven, 70 sets of seven. 490 years have been decreed. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. So he kind of divides it up a little bit. And so here, here's how it is divided up. In verse 24, seven weeks is literally 70 sevens or 70 weeks, weeks of years, 490 years of time is what he's talking about. And that covers again the time period from the time of Daniel until the Messiah rules the earth for all of the ages to come. Uh, so it's divided into three main parts. Number one, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks. And so, and then um, 62 weeks. 
So the seven weeks, that's 49 years. Listen to this, in 444. Now this is in history. You can read this just like I can. The Persian king Artaxerxes in 444 BC. Watch this. He said, Israel, you're back in your land. Rebuild Jerusalem. You can have your, you can have your kingdom back. You can have your land back. You can have Jerusalem back. Get after it. It took them, it took them uh, just a few days. It took them, I think, uh, 49 years to rebuild the city. Just took just a 52 weeks, I think, to, uh, uh, to, to actually rebuild the walls. But, and, and, but 49 years, they rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. And then he said, there's 62 more weeks or 434 years. What's 62 times 7? 434. What's 434 plus? Here's some mathematics. What's 434 plus 49? 483. 483 years of Jewish time is what God told Daniel. He said from the time that King Artaxerxes says build the wall until the time that the uh, uh, that your Messiah is cut off will be 483 years. Boom. Jesus came and was cut off and Jerusalem was plowed under in 70 A.D. Jesus died in 33 A.D. By 70 A.D., they were off of their land. So here's what these verses reveal. They reveal 483 years of Israel's history from the time that the walls were rebuilt in Jerusalem after they came back from Babylonian captivity until the time Jesus died and Israel was off of its land. That's 483 years. That's already happened in history. You get that? There's seven years of time that God revealed to Daniel that have not happened yet. They're going to happen. And, uh, and that's revealed in verse 27. Verse 26, after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city, the sanctuary. The end of it will be with a flood until the end of war desolations are determined. So God showed Daniel, you're coming back into your land. The Messiah will come back. He will actually die. He won't finish everything that he needs to do yet. And then the city of Jerusalem is going to be decimated once again. 70 AD, you've heard me say this before, um, the uh, Roman emperor Titus with his armies came and they decimated uh, Jerusalem and the Jews spread. God said they're going to spread. They spread all over the world and uh, Rome took over Jerusalem, renamed uh, Israel Palestinia so there wouldn't even be the name Israel. They wouldn't be anything about Jews anywhere in the Middle East. They became a no people for almost 2,000 years. And God revealed that before the Messiah comes back, they're coming back to the land. So the book of Daniel tells us that uh, the first 483 years of history that God showed Daniel that was going to happen, it's already happened, but there's seven years of time that haven't happened yet. Verse 27 says, uh, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That is seven years. That person, he is the Antichrist. There are seven years of Jewish history that is left to be fulfilled according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. 
Uh, the 490 years in the future that God showed Daniel, 483 have already happened, and all of that finished by 70 A.D. Israel has not been a nation. Y'all know these things. Israel hasn't been a nation for all of these not quite 2,000 years uh, in the late 1800s, and I mentioned this last time I spoke. In the late 1800s, it's like God put a honing device in, in Jews all over the world, and they started wanting to go back to this desolate land that used to be Israel, and they started going back to the land of Israel. It was occupied by England and uh, after World War I, actually before World War I, the Islamic Caliphate ruled the Middle East, including Jerusalem, until after World War I, World War I, uh, England kind of took control of Jerusalem and that land area where Israel is. And a guy named Balfour made a declaration. And he said, I want all of the Jews worldwide. You can go back into your land. And that was in 1916. So from 1916 all the way into the 40s, Jews from all over the world that had been dispersed all over the world since 70 A.D. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Went back to the land of Israel. Y'all, it is an absolute miracle. And the Bible reveals that before Jesus comes back, all of the Israelites from all over the world, many of them would have a honing device inside. They would go back and reoccupy their land. It would become a nation again. I think this is the only time in history that a nation that was completely decimated, completely wiped off the face of the earth, not even, not even a speck of it is left, came back and became a nation again. That is an absolute miracle in our day. And in May of 1948, the uh, United Nations decreed Israel as a nation, and they have been a nation ever since then. They reoccupied Jerusalem in 1967 with the Six-Day War. Most people don't understand, but y'all, that is a miracle of miracles. Did you hear what I'm saying? Because the Bible has promised that before Jesus comes back, Israel would reoccupy their land. They would be there. It would become a plentiful plentiful land per square inch they grow more food than probably any other uh, nation in the world they have uh, they have abilities to um, you know water their crops un untold it's just incredible what they do they're just a they're, they're just an amazing group of people they've come back to the land and that is a big sign for us that Jesus is about to come back and uh, just let me read one of these scriptures I've got several. There are about 15 in the Old Testament that say before the Messiah returns, Israel will be back in their land. Here's one. Deuteronomy 31 through 3, it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God, obey His voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all of your heart, your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity, have compassion on you, gather you again from all of the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. There's a lot of scripture in the Old Testament where God promised to bring them back to their land. So it's a physical sign to the world that Jesus is beginning his drive to come back. In 1948, when Israel became a nation, and then even more so in 1967, when Israel regained Jerusalem 
as, as, their, as their capital. It's just an amazing event. What does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus is coming back. And so Daniel 9.27 again says this, and I'm summarizing because I've run completely out of time. And this is talking about the Antichrist. There's an undetermined gap between verse 26 and 27. Verse 26 talks about the Messiah coming, be, uh, dying, Israel being removed from their land. There's an undetermined gap of time between verse 26 of Daniel 9 and verse 27. Verse 27, it's sometime in our future. We don't know when that's going to be. Looks like it could be any time. But what it reveals is a man that we call Antichrist. So it says here, the text says, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. He is the Antichrist. There is a person who will be able to foment a relationship with the Arab countries and the Jews. We don't know what kind of covenant it is, and we don't know how far it extends. We just know, he says, they'll make a covenant with many for, for one seven, that is seven years. So there's a covenant coming between Israel and their enemies. So here's what you and I can be looking for. In our future, the next thing in the Middle East that tells us that Jesus is coming at some point in the not-too-distant future, when somebody, when a ruler arises in the Middle East and says, we're making peace with Israel because, you know, they're, they're armed to the hilt and they're ready to defend their little small country about the size of New Jersey. And uh, nobody's about ready to go. Nobody's going to take it away from them. I can tell you that. They won't let it happen. But anyway, once that uh, peace treaty signed, just figure it out. Uh, seven years of time, and it looks like Messiah will return. Is that exciting to you? And so, you know, Israel's been on hold for the last almost 2,000 years. And, and because of unbelief, they didn't believe Jesus was Messiah. God said, well, you're in unbelief. I'm just going to set you on the side. You see, we've got covenant promises I've made to you. I've got promises I made to Abraham, promises I made about land, promises I made to David. But you know what? I'm setting you to the side, and I'm going to deal with people that will believe that my son came to set us free from sin, and that's called the church. Is that good news? And then, and then, just before Messiah returns, God puts a haunting device in His people. They come back to the land. They're in the land. The temple somehow is rebuilt, and He confirms a covenant with them for seven years. And it goes on to say here, I need to go back to the text, and I'll conclude. But it says here, uh, Daniel 9, 27, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, seven years. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So it looks like the Jewish temple will be rebuilt, something really, really simple. And the Hasidic Jews who still believe in sacrifices, animal sacrifices, they don't believe in Jesus as Messiah, they'll start offering animal sacrifices again. The Jewish temple will be somewhere probably on the Temple Mount. I know the Mosque of Omar is there. You know, the Alaska Mosque is there. I get all that. But they're going to be there too. Somehow, Israel and the Arabs are going to be able to work in peace together for a period of about three and a half years. Midway into that, this guy that the Bible terms Antichrist, man, he's going to say, look, I know I said it's peace, but 
Jews, you can't offer your sacrifices anymore. And he desecrates their temple. He begins to slaughter Jews and Christians. And then the great tribulation, three and a half years of hell break loose. So that's what's in the future. And that's what Daniel 9.27 reveals. That's how we know that we know that we know we're fairly close to you know, the time period just before Jesus comes back because Jew, the Jews are back in their land. It's been over 70 years now. Jesus is coming back just like he said he was. Are you excited about that?